Jesus. God, if we were to count all of our blessings, we'd be here all day long and still not be done. You've been so wonderful to us. Lord, we thank you for the things that you do, but God, even more than that, we're thankful for who you are. We pray that you would be lifted up in this place. In Jesus' name, someone say amen. Amen, amen. You may be seated. Wow. I'm telling you what, whenever God shows up, you don't need anything else. He is beautiful, beautiful. Welcome to Calvary Tabernacle. We're excited to be together here again today as God's people celebrating the one who's worth celebrating. And uh, I want to welcome you. If this is your first time here, I want you to know that you are free to make yourself feel at home in this place. Here at Calvary Tabernacle, we're not just a group of people, but we're a family, and we believe that. Uh, so while we're here, this is the big family home here, so just make yourself at home. Uh, my name is Sam. I'm the youth pastor here at Calvary Tabernacle. Uh, pastor Billy is not with us here this morning because he's feeling a little under the weather. So if you could uh, remember to lift him up in prayer this week, uh, we're believing for healing for all those that are, that are out and affected with all that's going on. And, you know, we, we got the flu going on. And if that's not enough, they're talking about the coronavirus. And uh, I've, I've heard someone say that we're going to have the Coors Light virus after that. I don't know. Uh, not even sure if I'm supposed to say that in church, but <laughs> just kidding. We've got to lighten up some, church. <laughs> Lord, we thank you for what you've done. God, and I thank you for your word this morning. And I pray that as we jump into your word, God, that you would speak to each and every single one of us. God, that your words would go beyond just our ears, something we can listen to, God. That it would go beyond our minds, something that we can think about or, or understand, God. But we pray that your word would also sink down deeply inside of our hearts, God. That it would change us, that it would renew us, that it would make us reflect you in a better way. In Jesus' name, someone say amen. 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 I want to remind you, uh, before we jump into the word, uh, if you've got your Bibles, you can go ahead and turn to Psalms chapter 23. We're going to be there uh, for most of the morning. Um, but uh, if you are like me, you probably carry your phone around with you most everywhere you go. There's a great resource on your phone called the Uversion Bible app. I want to encourage you to get that. And if you get that, you can click on the bottom right-hand button where it says more, and then a screen will pop up that says events. You can click on that. Uh, it'll do a little uh, GPS search for you there and find out where you are, and it'll suggest this service right here this morning. It's got all of our service, uh, all the sermon notes, all the scripture references that we're going to be using. A great place to take notes. You can even say that right there to your phone so you can go back later and look at it and be reminded of, of what God is speaking here in this place this morning. So uh, if you've got your Bibles, open your Bibles to Psalms 23. But if you don't, then turn on your Bibles to Psalms 23. We're going to uh, be right there here in just a moment. But before we do that, I may get in a little bit of trouble uh, for this because my mother-in-law is here. And it's, that's never a great way to start out a sermon uh, whenever you tell on your, your in-laws. Uh, but one day, my, my wife and I, we're at home, and uh, I can already see it. I can already see it. We're at home, and, and we're having a conversation. And, and uh, she said, she, she was telling me about a conversation she had with her parents earlier that day whenever she went over to their house. And, and she was telling me, she said, uh, my parents went to a sale. And uh, my dad said that they found something that they thought we would like. Um, so she said, I was, you know, excited about it. And, and uh, he said, well, I didn't end up getting it for you because I figured you'd just throw it away. And uh, because I guess I've, I've got a, uh, I've, I've become known in some circles as being a person that will throw away something that's perfectly good or usable. <laughs> uh, but in my mind, in my defense, I'm thinking, hey, if I don't have a need for it right now, if I don't see myself having a need for something in the near future, why store it? Why not just throw it away? I can go and buy it again later if something happens and I do need it. And so I, I get in trouble, not at home, I get in trouble also here at the church for throwing away stuff. Uh, and someone comes, hey, have you seen such and such? I'm like, yeah, I have. The landfill is seeing it right now. But uh, that, I don't know. That's just me. I, I don't like to keep uh, things all around me all the time. In fact, my wife, she got on to me the other day uh, because uh, we had our second son five months ago. And after our first son was born and he was growing up and 
we're growing, he's growing out of clothes. I was just telling her, you know, just give them away. Or, you know, if someone doesn't want them or if they're staying, just throw them away. And she's like, no, it's so cute. We need to keep it. What if we have another son? I was like, well, chances are 50% that we could or could not have another son. Um, so if we do have another son, I mean, styles are going to change by then anyway. We can just go out and buy more clothes. No, no, no. And so she got on to me for, for getting rid of some stuff. Uh, four years later, we have another son. And uh, she's like, mm-hmm. Yep. Told you. <laughs> and I'm like, well, you know, hey, that, that's just, that's, sometimes that just happens. But before my mother-in-law jumps on me, uh, I've got a couple of statistics to share with you guys about storage, because I'm that kind of person, I look up kind of stuff like that, but did you know that there are over 58,000 storage units in the United States of America? 58,000 storage units. Um, the statistics say one in 11 Americans are paying an average of $93 a month on storage. The self-storage st self industry has become a $38 billion industry in 2018. Put that in perspective, that's $4 billion more than the National Football League, Major League Baseball, and uh, the National Basketball Association combined in 2018. $4 billion more than all three of those combined. Uh, there's 2.3 billion square feet of rentable storage space in the United States. And to put that into perspective, that's the equivalent of the AT&T Stadium where the Dallas Cowboys uh, play football. It's the, the largest indoor stadium, I believe, in the world. I could be wrong. You might have to Google that. But uh, it, it's to put that in perspective of all this storage that Americans are using, you could fill up the entire AT&T Stadium from floor to ceiling 7.3 times. And to give you perspective of that, just in case you've never been to AT&T Stadium, you can fit the entire Statue of Liberty on its base inside of the stadium with the stadium roof closed. This is a massive building, and Americans are storing 7.3 of those buildings full. Uh, and that's, that's not even just everyone's storage. That's just the paid storage in America, which is absolutely incredible for me to think. And I, I'm, I'm looking at myself. I'm like, I don't want to be part of the statistic, right? Like, <laughs> I'm not going to be the one doing that. I'm not dogging on you if you do. Uh, and I promise I'm getting to a point here. But, but before we, we jump into uh, Psalm 23, I want to shift gears just a little bit. I want to talk about relationships. Because we know here in America, we have a little bit of a materialistic problem. Not everybody, but just as a whole, as Americans, we have a materialistic problem. Well, there's also a lot of problems in our relationship department here in the United States of America. Check this out. 43% of Americans say they feel like their relationships lack meaning. That's almost half of all Americans say that the relationships they have don't have a meaning. They don't have a purpose. I don't know about you. I find that staggering, absolutely staggering. And I find it really surprising, especially whenever we look at our social circles. We've got work friends. We've got neighbors. We've got uh, family friends. We've got people that we grew up with, high school, college. We've got all that. But then we take it even a step further. We've got social media friends. You, you might have 100 or 1,000 people that you follow or friend on social media, yet 43% of us say none of these relationships have any meaning, which is incredible. Studies also show that loneliness has the same impact on human mortality as smoking 15 cigarettes a day. Loneliness. Loneliness. And here in America, over 50% of people say that they are lonely. Lonely. Even with all the people and all the devices we have around us. And so I look at all of this, and I look at our, our material possessions, I look at our relationships and how we try to reach out and develop relationships around us, and I find it amazing that we still feel empty. Let me ask you this. I want you to be real transparent with me. I'm the youth pastor, so I like a little, if there's not a little bit of commotion going on, I really don't know what to do with myself because I'm used to people acting up whenever I preach. So you're welcome to talk back to me, but have you ever felt lonely? All right. Have you ever felt empty. As a Christian, have you ever felt lonely? Thank you for being honest. As a Christian, have you ever felt an emptiness? 
Thank you for being, I'm so glad that that really does help me, church. I'm glad I'm not the only one I thought I was just me. Uh, but here's the thing. Even as Christians, a lot of times, we know that everything we need should be found in Jesus. So we shouldn't need all the material things. Now I know we have, you know, physical needs. We have to have food, have to have shelter, have to have clothes. Those are needs. Those aren't just wants. Those are needs. I know we have to have those things, but all of our needs, all of our desires should be found in Jesus. And as a Christian, as someone who has a relationship with Jesus, our relationship should be satisfying. It should be fulfilling. Yet, most Christians, at some point in their walk with Jesus, will have that moment where they don't feel fulfilled, where they don't feel like or, or they feel like there's an emptiness inside of them. And so I, I want to remind you today, in case you haven't heard in a little while, Jesus can and will and wants to fulfill every area of your heart. But a lot of times we go looking for outside sources whenever we feel like maybe he's not coming through. And that's just, I mean, we're just being honest with each other here today. In fact, it's not a new thing. First uh, Kings chapter 10, I know you're in Psalm chapter 23. We'll jump there here in just a moment. But First Kings chapter 10 tells about a man named Solomon. He's a king, the king of Israel. Uh, the Bible says that he's the wisest and richest man that ever lived. And First Kings chapter 10, starting in verse 14, it says, each year Solomon received about 25 tons of gold. That's a lot of gold. That's a lot of gold. <laughs> This did not include the additional revenue he received from merchants and traders, all the kings of Arabia, and the governors of the land. So I, I want to put this into a little bit of perspective for us so that we can really see what we're going to be talking about here in Psalm 23. But Solomon, the richest and wisest man, according to the Bible, that ever walked the earth, he's making 50,000 pounds of gold. Every, he's, he's, he's receiving 50,000 pounds of gold every single year. Y'all, I, I went online this week, and I looked up the price of gold in, in today's, like, you know, if you, you can go look at the price of all kinds of things, stocks and investments, and you can look up the price of gold. Didn't know if you knew that or not. I do, because I did. I looked up the price of gold. For 50,000 pounds of gold, valued in today's currency, is over one and a quarter billion dollars. This man was raking. He was raking it in. $50,000, billion. And that's just in gold. That says that doesn't even have to do with any of his business, any of his side jobs as a king. It didn't have to do with any of his traders or investments or any of those things. This is just his mining business. I mean, he's bringing in 50,000 pounds of gold every single year. The Bible also tells us that he has 700 wives and 300 concubines. That's just Bible words for friends with benefits. A thousand relationships. This man is a multi-billionaire, and he's got a thousand relationships. I don't know how you do that. Sometimes it's hard for me to keep up with my one relationship with my wife. I don't know how you even memorize a quarter of those names. I don't know. I don't even want to go there. But if we looked at his life today, we would think, wow, he's got everything he could possibly want and more. In fact, Ecclesiastes chapter 2, verse 10, this is Solomon speaking. He says this, anything I wanted, I would take. I denied myself no pleasure. I denied myself no pleasure. Y'all, that's the American dream, right? If you want it, go out, work for it, make the money, buy it, have the house, have the car, the two and a half kids, do whatever you need to, to make yourself happy, right? Deny yourself no pleasure. That's the American dream. But I want you to notice what he said in the very next verse, Ecclesiastes 2.11. Solomon said, but as I looked at everything I'd worked so hard to accomplish, it was all so meaningless. Wow. Like chasing the wind. One and a quarter billion dollars a year is meaningless. There was nothing really worthwhile anywhere. A thousand relationships, nothing worthwhile. Those are some heavy words, but he even goes a little bit further in verse 17. He says, so I came to hate life. Think about that. This is a man, a multi-billionaire, 
has all the relationships around him wherever he wants. He denies himself no pleasure at all. He's got everything that any man, any woman, any human could ever want. He says, hey, I want that. I'm going to go get it. I'm going to buy it. I'm going to take it. I'm the king. I can do whatever I want. Hey, this land over here, I like that. That looks better than where my palace was. I'm going to take that land. I'm going to put my palace right there. I mean, he took anything he wanted, denied himself no pleasure. And at the end, he's looking at his life and he's saying, I came to hate life came to hate life. I was reading that this last week, and I thought, my goodness, because there's some things I look at my house and think, man, if, if I just did this to my house, or if I just got these tires for my Jeep, or if I got the newest iPhone, and I go through this list of things that I want, but you know what? No matter how much I've ever gotten in my life, I've never been satisfied. I've always wanted more, and I'm reading this, and I'm thinking, wow, I think I might be missing something here. What do you think we could be missing, church? Come on, I think y'all know the answer. But we're going to look at it in Psalm chapter 23. Psalm chapter 23 is uh, the words that come from a man named David. This is Solomon's daddy. Psalms chapter 23, verse. we're going to read the whole chapter. It's just six verses. It says, the Lord is my shepherd. I have all that I need. I have all that I need. In fact, the title of today's message is, All I Have is All I Need. All I have is all I need. He's saying, the Lord is my shepherd. I have all that I need. He lets me rest in green meadows. He leads me beside peaceful streams. He renews my strength. He guides me along right paths, bringing honor to his name. And even when I walk through the darkest valley, just like we sang about in two or three of the songs this morning, I will not be afraid, for you are close beside me. Your rod and your staff protect and comfort me. You prepare a feast for me. In the presence of my enemies, you honor me by anointing my head with oil. My cup overflows with blessings. Surely your goodness and unfailing love will pursue me all the days of my life, and I will live in the house of the Lord forever, forever. So point number one, I'm just going to go through these points really fast. I only got three points because it helps keep me on track. But point number one, a sheep needs provision. A sheep needs provision. And David, he's at, this, at the moment that he's writing Psalm 23, Bible scholars believe that he is a king, and he's, he's not just a king, but he's a mature king. He had been a king for a while. He had enjoyed the palace. He had enjoyed all of the, the riches and luxuries that had come with being a king in that time. And he's sitting in the palace, and he's thinking back on his time as a shepherd boy. Because before David became king, we hear that he was a shepherd, and then, you know, he went and fought Goliath and, and kind of rose in stardom from there and, and became the king of Israel. But before that, he was a shepherd. And back in this day, a shepherd was a very lowly career choice. Everyone looked down on the shepherds. And I'm not just being, I'm not just being exaggerative or trying to be funny or any of these things, but think about it like this. I want to put it kind of in terms that maybe we can understand. A shepherd would be about the equivalent of someone that has to clean the Taco Bell bathroom. It's not a job that most people are like, man, one day when I grow up, I really want to clean public restrooms. Like, that is my heart's desire. I don't know. I've never heard anybody say that. My son told me last night, he's been telling me for, for months, Daddy, one day when I grow up, I want to be a preacher like you. Last night on the way home, he told me, Daddy, I changed my mind. I don't want to be a preacher anymore. He said, I want to be a pizza guy. <laughs> I said, okay. All right. Why do you want to be a pizza guy? He said, because if people need pizza, I can bring it to them. And if I need pizza, I got it. I was like, well, you can't argue with that. That's some pretty sound logic right there, right? But no one grows up and wants to, to be uh, someone who, who has to clean a public restroom. or Those seem like undignified jobs. Now, they're very necessary jobs, and I am very thankful that there are people that are willing to and, that, and have the uh, ability to do so. But it's not a job that you grow up dreaming about as a child. And David, he's got this kind of a job. But even as a king now, living in the palace and living in luxury, he's looking back on that time, and he's saying, the Lord is my shepherd. I have all that I need. He's using imagery from his past and saying that even then, I had everything I need. I'm a king living in a palace, 
But even then, I had everything I need. Why? Because he has a shepherd. A shepherd. He said, the Lord is my shepherd. He didn't just say, the Lord is a shepherd or the Lord is a good shepherd. He said, the Lord is my shepherd. I am, in, in other words, what he's saying is, I am his sheep. I belong to him. And whenever I belong to the shepherd, even though I'm just a sheep, I still have all I need. And I think a lot of times we as Christians, we can look around us and, and we can become unsatisfied with our life. And I think it would be advantageous of us to, to, to take a step back and say, hey, listen, I'm just a sheep, but I know the shepherd. He's my shepherd. And as long as I'm with him, I will have everything I need. Because number one, a sheep needs provision. And a shepherd, it's a good thing because he is the provider. He's the provider. I want you to think about this. Do sheep have to work for their food? Nope. Do sheep have to search for a place to, to live or shelter? No. No. Do sheep have to defend themselves from wolves or bears or crazy dogs? No. All they have to do is be with the shepherd. Literally all they have to do is say, this is the shepherd. I'm going to just be right here. Meh. Meh. Like, as long as I'm right here with my shepherd, I've got everything I need because I don't have to go out looking for my food. I don't have to, to, to work on my ninja skills whenever the bears come. All I got to do is just be right here with the shepherd. Someone say, I got to be with the shepherd. I got to be with the shepherd. So here are three things that, that sheep need. They need rest. They need rest. Sheep are uh, not notorious for being worky, workers. <laughs> It's because their bodies, the way that God designed them, they, they need rest. They need a slower pace. And so the shepherd, he will guide them. And the Bible tells us uh, in Psalms chapter 23, uh, David says, he lets me rest in green meadows. Can I be honest with you today? Can I be a little bit pastoral? Some of y'all need to stop working and rest. I'm not talking about quit your job. Don't, don't, <laughs> don't blame me when you're like, hey, I quit my job just like you said. No. But some of us, we get so busy with the things and, and all the duties and customs that we think we, we have to fulfill. And Jesus is saying, hey, listen, sometimes you need to rest. Did y'all know that in the Old Testament, God gave a commandment to his people, and he said, you will honor the Sabbath day and keep it holy, and on that day you will do no work. And I think we look at that a lot of times, and, you know, we say, oh, that's Old Testament. But in the Bible, that same concept, that same principle carries over. Now, in the Old Testament, did you know this? In the Old Testament, if you broke the Sabbath day, if you worked on the Sabbath day, that was a capital offense. Y'all know what that means? Yeah, that means <laughs> if you broke the Sabbath, they would take you out of the city and stone you. And I've always thought, God, that just seems kind of harsh. Like, why would you do that? Like, dude's over here trying to make a living, and Someone comes and wants to buy something on the Sabbath. He's like, I can't do it. Sorry. But then he does, and they're like, hey, boy, come on. We got to, let's, let's take a walk outside the city over here. Come on. Come on over this way. And I think, God, that, that seems so cruel. And, and we look at the New Testament, and we say, well, it must not apply in the New Testament because God doesn't kill people that work on the Sabbath. Has anyone in here ever worked on the Sabbath? You don't have to raise your hand. But we look at it, and we think, you know, God's not doing that. This, this is the principle that God is saying. He's saying you will kill yourself if you work too much because you have to learn how to rest. You have to learn how to be content in me. And a lot of times we get so caught up in, I got to make this or I got to do this or I got to be this. And then the whole time God is saying, hey, I can make that. I can do that. I can be that for you. Just come and be with me. Just be with the shepherd. Another thing that sheep need is peace. They need peace. They need comfort, provision. They need safety. Those things renew your strength. How many of you have ever felt terrified before in your life? Maybe because of an uh, angry person <laughs> or maybe because of a financial situation. But there's been a time in your life that wasn't very peaceful. It was kind of turbulent. Have you noticed that that affects every other area of your life? Did, does anyone in here ever get stressed? Have you noticed how that affects your children? 
Do any of y'all notice that whenever you work uh, four times of overtime every single week, do you notice how that affects your relationship with your spouse? Because we get so caught up and we, we got to do this, do this, and Jesus is saying, hey, listen, listen, listen. I just need you to take a deep breath and, and have some peace in your life. And the, the third thing they need is they need direction. The Bible tells us that, I'm sorry for the uh, peace, in Psalms chapter 23, it says he leads me beside peaceful streams, and they also need direction. It says he guides me along right paths. Listen, a good shepherd will guide his sheep along right paths. You don't have to try to determine your direction for life whenever you can just get your direction for life from the Lord. Can y'all listen just really quick? God has a plan and a purpose for your life. You know, one of the questions I get asked the most as a youth pastor from students, they say, hey, will you help me pray about what my purpose is? I don't know what I'm here for. I don't know why God made me. And every time I hear that, I, I'm just broken a little bit inside because I'm like, listen, God has such a big purpose in store for your life. He's got a, such a big plan for you. And it's not just a future purpose. It's a right now purpose. And a lot of times when we get so future-minded, we forget about what's going on and, and we, don't, we are not considered of what's happening around us. And God's like, listen, I got a purpose for you right now. God isn't just a future God. He's a present God. He's saying, hey, I've got something for you. And a lot of times we miss over it because we try to figure out our own thing. And then whenever God doesn't come in our timing, we think, wow, I guess I'll have to go get it myself. Whenever he doesn't answer our prayers like we ask him to, like, well, I guess I got to go make this myself, do this myself. God is like, listen, I just need you to be with me. I'll give you the direction. I'll give you the peace. I'll give you the provision. Just be with me. Point number two, a sheep needs protection. Sheep needs protection. David says, even when I walk through the darkest valley. Now, I want you to notice this. The Bible doesn't say here that God leads or the shepherd leads us to the darkest valley. It says he'll lead us through the darkest valley. If you've ever been in a situation in your life that seems dark, that seems hard, that seems uh, real, um, I love the way that David says in another translation, he says the valley of the shadow of death. Like, that's a pretty deep, dark picture right there. But even whenever you are in those places, God's desire isn't to leave you there. God's desire, a lot of times, isn't even to bring you there. A lot of times, as sheep are prone to wander off, and, and we'll run to wander off to places where we don't even realize could be dangerous places. But even then, He is our protector. Someone says, my protector. He'll lead us through the darkest valleys. I believe it's the King James. It says the valley of the shadow of death. The valley. We know what a valley is. It's, it's the opposite of a mountain. It's, it's a reverse mountain. <laughs> in other words, if you're down in the valley, you're looking up, and all around you is earth or, or whatever kind of valley you happen to be in. And David says the valley of the shadow of death. In other words, when you're in a place and all you can look and see around you is just death, I'm not just talking about physical death, I'm talking about spiritual death, I'm talking about emotional death, I'm talking, have you ever been there? Just raise your hand if you've ever been there before. You're like, hey, listen, I've been in a place that was not real kind to me. He says, even when I'm there, I will not be afraid. Why? Why? Because you're with me. He says, your rod and your staff, they comfort me and they protect me. I love the imagery that, that David gives here. He says, your rod and staff, they comfort me and protect me. And I could just imagine in my mind a shepherd is, is leading a sheep. And the sheep kind of go astray. And so he uses his staff to just kind of, you know, pull them back in. But just real gently, you know, just kind of nudge them back in the direction that they should go. His rod comforts us. It pulls us back to where we need to be. It says it also protects you. In other words, if something pops out of that valley that really wants your head, Jesus is going to be, ah, pop! I think a lot of times we forget that Jesus can be fierce. We, we just think of, you know, the, what I call the Google Jesus, you know, the, the Jesus that's just there. I 
we forget that whenever an enemy comes against us, Jesus ain't having none of that. He'll pull out his club and he'll put on a whooping. <laughs> I love it. He's our defender. He's our protector. We don't have to be afraid because he's with us. About 10 years ago, I can't give all the details because the service is being recorded today, but about 10 years ago, I went to a, a country that uh, where the, being a Christian and, and owning or possessing a Bible is uh, illegal. And if you're a native-born citizen of that country, the punishment was death. So if you were a native-born citizen of this country and you were found with a Bible in your possession, the government could literally put you to death without a trial. This is how closed off this country was, and it's become even more so today. And I remember uh, I had this, this unique opportunity to smuggle Bibles into this country. And so, of course, I wanted to. I was like, heck yeah. You know, and I think once I got there, I was a little overwhelmed because here, I mean, you can, you can wave this around. You can go down the street. People might call you a funny name or, or look at you kind of cross if you're waving a Bible in their face. But there's really nothing probably that's going to happen. But there, you've got to hide it. It's got to be concealed. It's, it's a secret. And I remember we went there, and I had uh, several hundred of uh, the really, really small Bibles. They print them as small and as cheaply as they can so that they can distribute them to as many people as they can. And so I've got hundreds of Bibles in, in this backpack that I'm carrying. And we crossed the border over into this country. And I remember whenever I get there, like, I am sweating bullets, y'all. Like, it, I remember I'm looking around me. I'm like, you know. <laughs> And the whole time I'm thinking, they, they're about to come get me. I, they've got like x-ray scanners that can see through backpacks. And I know they know what's in. And I'm just walking around, you know, trying to pretend like nothing's wrong. And I'm just sitting there praying under my breath, just Jesus, if I make it out of here, it's going to be awesome. And, and I remember that the, the leader that, that was, there was a group of 21 of us smuggling thousands of Bibles into this country. And, and the, the leader there, uh, he, that's, that's all he does. All he does, his entire ministry is completely illegal. <laughs> he smuggles Bibles into another country. And so I remember he, he's got this, I'm talking about a backpacking bag, like the big ones, you know, you see on the, the commercials and stuff where people are like up in the mountains hiking and it's beautiful and the big old huge bag. He's got this and it is loaded down with Bibles. It had to weigh close to 100 pounds. And he's a big guy and he's carrying it on his back. And I remember we were walking through the streets of this country and and he's like, oh, yeah, that over there. I mean, just kind of like a tour guide. That over there is blah, 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 blah. And I'm over here just like, man, that looks great, but I can't see it because I'm just looking at all these faces to make sure no one's about to stab me. And he's just calm as a cucumber. We're walking, and he's like, hey, y'all want to stop in here and get a bite to eat? They got a lot of great local cuisine here. And I'm like, no, no, not really. No, I, I just kind of want to go hide somewhere, man. Like, take me to a place where no one can see me. That, that's where I want to be. And so, of course, everyone's like, yeah, yeah. And I'm just like, y'all messed up. I don't know what y'all are doing. And we walk into the store, and he's like, here, y'all tried the fried grasshoppers. I'm like, man, that's the second strike. I don't want to do that either. And so we're, we're I mean, he's just basically taking on a, us on a tour, and we have hundreds and hundreds of pounds of illegal materials strapped to our backs. And I'm thinking, my God goodness, I don't want to be here. And I'm like, how is he so calm? Like, I don't care if he does this. For, like, I don't care if this is his life. How do you ever get used to that? Like, whenever people are around you, the, listen, the government in this country, they will pay citizens if citizens will report illegal activity. And so it's not just the police that you have to look out for, or soldiers that are just standing around with, with big guns. You got to watch everybody. I mean, I I don't know how they, how they do it. I mean, we, we are truly a blessed nation to live in a place where we have the freedoms that we have. Come on, amen. <coughs> but I remember he's just as cool as a cucumber. He gets, he gets into this one shop and he takes his backpack off and he sets it down. I'm like, dude, don't do that. They're going to think it's up. They're going to come look at, check it out. Like, you better hold on to that. And he, he sets it down and he's, he's just standing around talking and I'm like, pick it up. They're going to come ask you what's inside. Like, come on, man. You're going to give us the whole group away. I don't want to die today. God's still got a lot of things in my, in my future. I can see it clearly. 
And I remember it because he was just so, there was so much peace because he knew who his shepherd was. He knew what God had designed and what God had purposed for his life. And so he knew that, hey, as long as I'm with the shepherd, as long as this is what God has, has put in store for my life, then I will be okay. And even if they do catch me, God will be there. And even if they do, do unspeakable things to me, it's okay because I'm still with the shepherd. Still with the shepherd. Someone say amen. Amen. Y'all, that touched my heart in more ways than, than I can even remember. I love the, uh, the quote by President Theodore Roosevelt. Speak softly carry a big stick. I can just see that that's Jesus' heart for us. Whenever we kind of go straight, he just kind of leads us back in. Just, hey, hey, come, come on, come on right over here. And then something comes out of the woods. Ah, pow! And just come on, speak softly and carry a big stick. That's our Jesus. Come on. Here's point number three. This is the last one. A sheep needs peace. A sheep needs peace. I love this. This is, the, this is my favorite part of Psalms 23. David says, you prepare a feast for me in the presence of my enemy. Just like the song we said, I'll sing a little bit louder in the presence of my enemies. Come on, we got a good shepherd. And I love the imagery here. Because have you ever been in a hurry before but needed to eat? What does that look like? You're probably, Pop-Tart crumbs are probably falling in your lap on the way to work. Right? Or you, you spill something something, and you're like, man, I don't even have time to clean this up. I'm just going to have to clean this milk up when I get back home. <laughs> but we need peace. And I love this imagery here because David says, even when we are surrounded by our enemies, even when our enemies are present with us, God prepares a feast. And I love this because it, to me it just shows that God isn't concerned. He's not worried about the threat of violence. He's not worried about what the enemy uh, speaks or what the enemy tries to, attempts to do. I can just see God. He's just sitting there. Did somebody say something? No? Okay. I'll just carry on. Takes the napkin out. What are you so scared for? Y'all, I don't know any of this stuff right here. So if you're like, that's not the side the napkin goes on, then please forgive me. I know somebody in here is thinking, wow, this is terrible. Don't ever come to my house. But God's just sitting there just... Does the spoon go on the left? Anybody know? No one knows? Oh, good. It does go on the left. Okay, I got it right. Look at, I don't know if that's where cups go or even if those are the right cups or any of that stuff, so please, again. But I can just see it. Now, does it look to you in, in David's poetic imagery here, does it look to you like God is very concerned with our enemies around us. Help me out. Does it? No. He's just calm. He's collected just like the, the pastor there that, the, that smuggled the Bibles. And, and he's just setting everything out for us. And I love this. David is like, hey, even in the presence of my enemies, there you are preparing not just a, a paper plate of Pop-Tarts. You're preparing a feast for me. And my enemies, they can sit there and they can just spit hurls or hurl insults at me and, and spit bad things at me. It doesn't matter. I'm just going to sit down. I'm just going to enjoy this meal real quick. I'm just going to take my time. This is fancy. Well, it's supposed to be fancy. I don't know if it really is, but it's supposed to be. Why? Because to God, there is nothing that threatens his kingdom. There is nothing that threatens his kingship. There is no situation, no person, no plan that can derail his purpose for your life. 
And he's saying, hey, even though you may be surrounded in the valley of the shadow of death by your enemies, come and dine with me. Y'all, I think this is going to be healing for somebody this morning. You may feel like you are completely surrounded by your enemies. You may feel like there is no way out and that the longer you're in the valley, the darker it seems to get. But I want, I believe, I truly do, I believe God wanted me to say this morning, don't worry. Sure, your enemies may still be around you, but when you're with me, there's nothing to fear. There's nothing that should get you riled up. There's nothing that should even get you even a little bit concerned because you're with the shepherd now. You're with the shepherd. We get so caught up with what's going on around us. We get so distracted by our surroundings. And he's saying, just, just slow down. Just, shh. just be with me. Just be with me. Come enjoy a feast with me. Come and dine with me. So church, when false accusations come, peace. When your family is fighting, peace. When culture is promoting worldly practices, peace. When our government fails us, peace. When you lose your job, peace. When the nations rage, peace. When your health fails, peace. Because we are with the shepherd. We are with the shepherd. We have nothing to fear. I love this verse in Colossians chapter 3, verse 15. It says, and let the peace that comes from Christ rule in your hearts. For as members of one body, you are called to live in peace and always be thankful. I love that. That word rule right there, let the peace of Christ rule in your hearts, that's a sports term. Like an umpire calling an out or calling someone safe on the field. This is what Paul is saying to the church. He said, let the peace of Christ call the shots in your life. Don't let the enemies, don't let the darkness around you call the shots because I, I want to tell you this too. It says in the valley of the shadow of death. Let me ask you this. Is a shadow real? I mean, it may be a real shadow, but it's not the real thing. That could mean that your enemy is present somewhere, but that also means that light is present because in order to have a shadow, there's got to be light. And he's saying this, your enemies may be around, because listen, let's be real with this. We have enemies. And I'm not just talking about people right now. I'm talking about spiritual enemies, spirits. They want to, I mean, the Bible tells us Satan's number one goal is to steal, to kill, and to destroy. That's what he's out to do. And we have enemies all around us. But don't let that rule your life. Let the peace that comes from Christ Rule your life. Amen. Let him call the shots in your life. Solomon, he literally had more relationships, more wealth than he could possibly ever want or need. Yet as he looked back over it all, he said it's meaningless. It's empty. It even caused him to hate life. But then we look at his dad, who looks back on his, his lowly, poor overlooked, unfair career that he was in. David was even overlooked by his own father. And he said, even then, I had all I need. Even then, I have all I need. I want to read this last verse, and then I want to give you a challenge this morning. 1 Timothy chapter 6, verse 17. Paul is talking to his his friend Timothy, he says, Teach those that are rich in this world not to be proud and not to trust in their money, which is so unreliable. Their trust should be in God. And notice this. Their trust should be in God who richly gives us all we need for our enjoyment. Listen, y'all, church, that's the word of God right there. 
That's one of those you can be like, hey, I say amen to that. Yeah, come on. He says, listen, don't trust in things. Don't even trust in people. Trust in the Lord because whenever you put your trust in the Lord, this is the same God who supplies everything that you need, who supplies everything you need to enjoy life. I don't know about you. I, listen, I'm tired of, of seeing Christians that are just grumpy all the time. God is good. But you're a crab to be around, sir. Listen, that's not God's desire for us. We should be the happiest, most joyful, most peaceful people that walks this earth. People should be able to look at us and see us in the trials of our life and be like, wow, that person right there, even though everything is going on here in our workplace and, and even though uh, we got bought out and even though our new bosses don't understand and, and even, even though the kids are fighting and even though all of this is happening, that person has peace. They're not troubled by it. Come on, y'all. Someone say that's good. That's good. I want to encourage you to do this real quick. If you got your phone or, or if you're taking notes on something, then I want you to do something for just, just 30 seconds real quick. I want you to think about all of the material things that God has blessed you with. I'm just talking about material things. I'm not talking about, God has blessed me with my kids. But yeah, that is a blessing for sure. But I'll just for a moment, just think of the material things that he's blessed you with. Or, or it even could be a, a, a talent that he has blessed you with. But, but I'm thinking more of things, not, not people. But think of some, or not situations, but think of some things. So just take... 20 seconds real quick in your phone or on a piece of paper right there. Just write down as many of those things that you can think of. So I'm going to give you 20 seconds to do that right now. anyone feeling thankful yet? These are just the material things. We know God's blessings go way beyond that. But now I want you to do this with, with your, your notes right there in front of you. I want you to look at those things. I want to challenge you to do something. I challenge our students every single week because James chapter 1 tells us if we just look at the word and we go away and we don't do what it says, we're just fooling ourselves. That's what it says in James chapter 1. So I want to challenge you to do something this week. Well, we're not just hearers, we're doers of the word. Someone say amen to that. Thank you. I want to challenge you to give one of those things away this week. I want to challenge you to give, give one of those things away this week. And you're like, hey, I don't even have a lot of material things. Then give away a talent. Do something for somebody. If you're a good singer, go, go sing uh, over at the, the Wesley House or, or the nursing home. Go, go visit people. I mean, th there's a lot of things that we can do and we can give that, that don't cost money, but I want to challenge you to give something away. And uh, chances are, whenever you wrote something down, you were thinking of the biggest things that God has blessed your life with right there. But you know what? A lot of times we can take those blessings that God has given us and we can take it for granted and we can let that be the ruler in our life. And God is saying, hey, listen, just, just for a second, I just want you to trust in me. Don't trust in your money. Don't trust in your people. Don't trust in your things. Just trust in me. So that, that's my challenge for you this week, to take something that you have and give it away. There was a, a pastor that uh, used to come to the Bible school that I went to. He'd come every single year. He's in his 90s. He's, this, uh, he's, a, he's a white guy. He's just kind of, you know, walked a little bit <laughs> like this, a little bit hunched over. And he's the most humble and quiet person that you, I mean, if you just walked by him on the street, you would, probably wouldn't have even noticed him. But he's a missionary in Mexico. In his 90s, a missionary in Mexico. He's a multi-millionaire because he can't even give away money as fast as people give it to him. His entire ministry is supporting churches and people in, in the, the poorer parts of Mexico. 
and literally as fast as he can, I'm talking about giving thousands and thousands, hundreds of thousands of dollars to, to organizations and to certain places just at a time. Just like, here's a hundred thousand dollars. And as quick as he can give money away, it's coming in. Listen, he, his entire message is this. God has blessed us so that we can be a blessing. That's the purpose. So if you've been blessed, it's because God desires you to be a blessing. So that's my encouragement for you this week, is to take something God has given you and give it away and watch God provide through you. Watch God. He's our provider. He's our protector. He is our peace. So this week, we're going to see God do some amazing things. And I believe, I truly do, I thank Brother Keith for mentioning the uh, 21 days of prayer that we have coming up. I truly do believe this, that God is going to do some miraculous things. I'm not just saying that because I'm a pastor and that sounds spiritual. Miraculous. Miraculous means it's something that you can't do. It's something people can't do. It's something that only God can do. And I'm believing that God is going to do some things that only God can do in and amongst this body over these next, over this month and, and on into March. I believe we're going to see him doing some incredible things. And I believe that it could be a start whenever we give away from what we have, whenever we give of ourselves. Amen? Jesus, we thank you. God, we thank you for your word. Lord, I thank you that you are our shepherd and that you are a good shepherd. And God, I pray for each and every single heart in this place this morning. I pray that you would speak to us in such a strong way, even now as we go home today or, or go to work or, or go out to eat or whatever we do, wherever we, we go today, I pray that you would still speak to us, that you would still move in us, God. I pray that there be opportunities for individuals in this room today to give something away that you have blessed them with, God, so that they can be a blessing to others. And Lord, I speak and I, I declare, I prophesy in the name of Jesus that we're going to see miracles in this place. We are going to see the hand of God moving in this church and in the lives of every single person in this place this week, God. We believe it because you are good. And when we're with you, we don't, we, we don't lack anything. We have all we need. And I pray that that word would stick deeply inside of our hearts this week. In Jesus' name, someone say amen. Amen, amen. I love you, church. You are dismissed. We do have service tonight.